0: Hi, everybody. Um, My name is Amanda. I'm a compulsive overeater and food addict um, in Clearwater, Florida, sunny Clearwater, Um, and I just want to say, start by saying um, I'm so happy to be here uh, with you guys on this meeting, um, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to speak to you tonight. Um, This is one of my favorite forms of service to do. My joke is that because I get to spend 20 minutes talking about my favorite subject, myself, um, but also because this meeting changed my life um, and probably saved it. And so um, I'm just really happy to be able to be at this meeting and share my story. I thought I would start um, by qualifying and I don't wanna share too much of the mess you know I don't I don't want to have a pain parade or anything but um my story is ha- and how I got here is why I'm still here and um adding to my story in recovery now is um part of the work that I'm doing to walk in my HP's path so I'm happy um and I want to start start by telling my story so I think that I was born um an addict I'm an addict sort of of all things um, I remember the first time that I did anything, um, I wanted to do more and more of it. Um, the first time I ever drank and got drunk, um, I just couldn't wait to do it again. The first time I used drugs, I couldn't wait to do it again. The first time I did anything, I couldn't, the first time I ran my credit card through that machine, I couldn't wait to do it again. Um, and the first time I binge ate, I could not wait. I was so uncomfortable and I couldn't wait to do it again. Um, there are a couple instances, I had a a pretty like unremarkable childhood, like there's no, I can't pinpoint one incident that says, you know, like this is the reason I'm a compulsive overeater and, um, that sort of navel gazing for me has never produced much, um, much recovery, but I can say that there are a couple instances in my youth that sort of pointed to, "Mm, maybe this might be a problem for you later, um. I was a very well behaved child, but the first time uh, I ever lied to my parents and the first time I remember lying was over food. Um, my mom warehouse stores had just like become a thing, like being able to buy stuff in bulk. Um, and my mom had bought a bulk thing, you know, of stuff that I wasn't supposed to have. And she told me no more. And I remember I would walk by and sneak some and walk by and sneak some. And I thought they'll never know because there's so much you couldn't tell that, the, you know, that I was taking any. Um, but the reality of the fact now I I was in first grade, probably the reality of the fact was I had done it so much and so obsessively that um, my mom caught me. My parents caught me or obviously assumed that it was me. I was the only person that it could be. And I remember they called me called me out on it, and I lied. And that was the first time I remember lying to my parents. It was the first lie I remember was around food. Um, I remember being in second grade. I moved around a lot as a kid, which is why I remember how old I was. But uh, I remember being in second grade and going to bed at night, and I was raised Catholic. So I would pray the rosary. And I would ask St. Teresa, the little flower, to please make me skinny. Please, please, please make me skinny. Please make me skinny. And um, I was eight. And so that's how far back this goes for me. Um, It goes back to my earliest memories of just personhood are are inextricably linked with wanting to be in a different body than I was and wanting to have a different relationship with food. the first time I remember consciously binge eating, um, our food was pretty, you know, my parents were, they weren't restrictive with food, but like, we didn't have like free reign over what we ate. Cause I also grew up poor. So we had to to watch what we ate. But, um, the first time I binge ate and then purged afterward, um, I remember that. I remember it like it was yesterday. I know the feeling, I know, um, The relief I felt, I know the high I got, and I know um, something turned on in my brain that said, oh, this is what we're doing now. Um, This, I guess if this is going to work, this is what we'll try. Um, I've had all aspects of this disease. Um, I was an extreme restrictor for a while. Um, I've gone through periods, you know, months to years of exercise bulimia, Um, i binged and purged, uh, both with vomiting and laxatives. Um, That's all part of my story. But at some point in time, um, I just sort of settled on overeating and binge eating without the purging. Um, And what happened is I ate myself up to 325 pounds. Um, I was... 325 pounds and I had no idea I weighed that much. I mean, I knew what the number said, but I didn't really have any frame of reference. Um, But what I did know is my every waking thought was consumed with food. Um, I've done every possible way that you can think of to uh, manage my weight. And I'm using air quotes here. You guys can't see them. Uh, including every crazy diet you could think of. If there was a diet, I would try it. Some of them I could be on for longer than 10 minutes. Some of them lasted for a day. Some of them lasted for months. Some of them lasted for, you know, multiple years. But I've done them all. Um, I've gained and lost over 100 pounds now eight times in my life. Um, So that's multiple times to lose a huge amount of weight. Um, I've lost... Uh, opportunities and situations in my life. Um, I don't have children because of this disease um, prevented me from getting pregnant. Um, I've made decisions about my career. I've made decisions about big life choices, about moving. I've made decisions about money as a result uh, because of my weight or because of the fear and the obsession created by my weight um, and my compulsive eating. All of that has, it has deeply affected my life. And until I entered this program, uh, food, eating, my body image, weight, everything sort of in that bucket, anything that could go in that bucket, um, that was what ran my life. Um, I remember at the end, at the end, I say at the end, before I found this program, um, I would Go, I would binge eat until I fell asleep on the couch at night. Um, I would get up and I would have to count the wrappers and boxes and whatever, the detritus that was around me, to figure out how much I had eaten because I didn't even have the memory for it. Um, and it would, you know, I would wake up maybe, at, you know, 1.30, a.m., binge eat again um, and then go to bed and then be up at six and ready to go to work and think, okay, today's the day I'm going to be, today's the day it's going to change for me. Today is the day. Um, and my feet would hit the floor and I lived in, a in New Orleans in a thousand square foot house. And so it wasn't very long from the bedroom to my kitchen. And, and it, I don't know, what was it, like 30 yards from my bedroom to the kitchen, if that. And by the time my feet hit the kitchen, that's how long I could be on a diet from my bedroom to the kitchen. And I couldn't, I had completely and totally lost control. Um, Before I found this program, I was eating um, entire, like there was no more serving. I was just eating all of whatever it was the whole thing. Um, And I don't need to go into like lots of details about food, but the sheer volume of food that I consumed before I found this program um, still kind of amazes me. Um, I'm surprised that I didn't have, you know, that I didn't choke or die or I, I can't believe, like, I don't know what would happen, but I can't believe I was able to do that Um, And I tell all this to say, and I kind of get into the mess because I want people who are listening to hear um, how desperate I was because I was deeply and incredibly desperate. I had completely lost my ability of choice around food before I found this program. Um, I would eat and I would cry and I would eat and I would cry and I would eat and I would cry and I would cry and I would eat. And I just wanted to stop, but I couldn't stop. I was obsessed. Um, I couldn't, if we were talking, I couldn't even listen to what you were saying because I was thinking about what I was going to go eat as soon as we were done. Um, My life was built around food. Food ran my life. Um, And I was a prisoner and I was enslaved to food. And so what happened? How did I find this program? Um, I was in a bottom, a low, 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 low bottom. And um, a friend of mine had posted on Facebook, where all good things start, right? Um, She had had gastric bypass surgery. And she just posted this very loving post about how her life had changed, about how she didn't think changing her weight was going to change her life or changing her relationship with food would change her life. And she just talked about how it did. And so I thought, all right, that's what I want. I want that. Um, because she talked a lot about not about pant sizes and stuff like that, but she talked about how she was able to deepen her relationship with her husband and, you know, her children. And, um, so I made arrangements to have, um, the surgery done and I was, I thought, okay, so here it is, here's my hope. I'm gonna get this done. Um, I convinced my partner, who has several mitigating factors um and is many years older than me and is really like in a very high risk category and is also not one of us, but I convinced her in manipulation to also get the surgery with me so that we could have it um together because I just um you know wanted to somebody to be in pain with me and um So I went through all the pre-op stuff and it's a lot of work and, um, you know, I have to go to like a vigilante appointments and stuff like that. And, I, you know, so far my insurance was covering it all. And I was out one day, I'm a teacher, um, and I got a phone call. So I answered it in the middle of class because I also wasn't the best employee back then. Um, And it was the doctors, the bariatric surgeon's office, and they said, I'm sorry, for some reason the insurance company said that they are not going to cover your surgery. And um, I had a little bit of a break with reality at that point, because I was so desperate. I knew that it was either something I that was my last hope. And if that hope had gone, um, I was ready to be done. And I wasn't going to um, end my life. But I was ready to just give up. I was ready to eat myself to death. I had resigned that I was just gonna eat myself to death at, God, I forgot how I was old, I was 33. Um, And I would just eat like this until I died and I knew I would be young. Um, And you know maybe I could get another 10 years about out of it. And when she told me that on the phone, um, that I would not be able to get the surgery, I had a little break with reality. And I went into the closet in my classroom and I shut the door and left the kids alone um, with nobody watching them. And I sat on the floor and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. And then I asked my, called my partner and I asked her if we could take out a second mortgage on our home um, so that I could take the money and fly to Mexico and have bariatric surgery. Um and she was like, whoa, 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 like, what's going on? Like, this is not a decision we can make right now. And she heard some sort of desperation in my voice, and I think it scared her. Um, I think it scared her because she realized I was on the edge. And um, she said, you know, why why don't we think about something, you know, why don't you just hold on till we get to school? And I said, I can't hold on. Um, so I hung up the phone with her and I Googled, I had spent some time in AA. Um, I got in trouble when I was in college <laughs> for a little bit and had to go to OA or AA for a while. And so I knew what 12 steps were. And so I thought, ah, so I was on my phone in the closet on the floor at work and I Googled AA for fat people. Um, so just so you know, if you Google AA for fat people, Overeaters Anonymous comes up and it's like one of the first hits. I don't know why. But if you Google it, excellent SEO, that's what comes up. Um, And I found my local intergroup, um, my intergroup in New Orleans. And I looked through the meeting list and um, at that time it wasn't a huge meeting list, I don't know what it's like now, but uh, I found the first contact person who had an email, not a phone number because I couldn't call anybody. And I emailed her from my phone and just said, hey, I'm gonna, it was a Wednesday. And I said, I'm gonna come to the meeting on Saturday. Do I need to know anything? Um, Because I knew if I didn't commit right then and there, if I didn't reach out to somebody right in that moment, that I would still be on that floor crying until somebody got me out. Um, And I call that my God shot. I call that my HP moment or my sort of window of clarity where I said, it is time for me to ask for help from somebody else. It's time for me to say, I can't do this alone. Um, And that's why I like to tell that part of my story because it's so important. Um, Our fellowship is so important. Um, if the person who was the contact info for that meeting hadn't have emailed me back and said, you don't need anything, come on, um, I might not have gone and I might be dead now. So it's um, outreach is so important and newcomer outreach is so important because it saved my life. Um, I went to that first meeting. I cried the whole way through, well, just walked in and cried. Um, I went to 30 meetings in 30 days because I thought that's what somebody said that you should do. I don't know, maybe I heard it on NA, but I did. Um, and I cried through every meeting for 30 days. Um, and whatever you said you did, I did. So a reminder, we have five more minutes, please. Thank you. Whatever you said um, you did, I did. If you didn't eat sugar, I didn't eat sugar. If you didn't drink, I didn't drink. Whatever anybody said in a meeting. And that's another reason why I like to share that point because sharing your program, sharing my program is so important because I never know who's listening. Because those early days, I was just doing what people said. If you did it, I did it. Because that's how desperate I was. I was teachable. Um, I was enough, desperate enough to be teachable. For three months, I didn't have a sponsor. Um, I decided I was gonna sponsor myself, right? Um, (laughs) We know how well that works. And um, I heard somebody say on this meeting, and it was this meeting, and it was somebody who shared, if you want fellowship, go to meetings. But if you want recovery, work the steps. And I had never heard anybody put it succinctly, as succinctly as that before. Um, and it just clicked. I, you know, for three months I was like, I'll do it all, but get a sponsor. And in that moment I realized I need a sponsor if I want to work the steps. Um, and I think my higher power came down and moved my fingers to text because I texted the next person who came on this line and said, I'm available to sponsor. Um, And I just did it then and there. I just did it before I knew how to think about it. I did it before I could be afraid of it. Um, And she was my sponsor for three years. And she helped me get abstinent. And uh, she saved my life. Um, I was in general OA for three years. And um, I lost almost 200 pounds um i ran my first half marathon my every relationship improved i cleaned up so much stuff from my past stuff that kept me up at night you know the stuff that when you close your eyes at night and you're almost asleep and then your scumbag brain wants to remember like something dumb you did three years ago or something that you feel guilty about that you've never really fixed through these steps i got to clean all that up Um, That stuff wasn't weighing on me anymore, and I lost a lot of physical weight, but I lost a lot of emotional weight, too. Um, However, I can say, like, taking ownership for it, what I did do is I failed to enrich my spiritual life. Um, I didn't take emotional sobriety as seriously as I do now, which I take it very, very seriously. Um, So I had a relapse. I was in away for three years um, and I had a relapse and my relapse started pretty fast. Um, it didn't, it wasn't spectacular. It's just like one bite that I was one bite of my alcoholic foods and then another bite of my alcoholic foods. And then all of a sudden I had gained almost every pound back um, in about 18 months. And um, I was more miserable than before. My desperation, the first time my desperation was dull and sephoric and um, really just kind of a sleepy desperation, like, um, like a slow plotting desperation. And it was frantic and terrifying in my relapse. Um, and it was my disease had, had gotten stronger, um, and was moving faster. Um, and it had become, I was terrified. I wasn't scared the first time around. I was resigned. I was hopeless. And, uh, in my relapse, I was terrified that this this disease might actually take me down Um, in December of 2019 um, I decided that I would go back to OA, that I would give it a shot Um, I had moved to Florida in the meantime trying to pull a geographic really I mean like we moved out of the snow back to Florida you know back to the sunshine so I'm not complaining but uh, the geographic here didn't work just in case anybody's out there hoping it does it didn't work for me And in December of 2019, I decided to walk into these rooms, and I was ashamed. Um, I felt stupid. I had held service positions at the intergroup level. I had attended World Service Business Conferences, but it started for me, again, um, by walking in the rooms the same way I did the first time and just opening my hands and saying, I need help. Um, I need help. And today, I can say um, I work a 90-day program, which is different. Oh, and I will wrap it up with my, my timer. It is um, different than, uh, you know, the first time around, but different is okay. It works for me. Um, I've successfully abstained for compulsive overeating for almost a year now, and I um, have lost more weight than I did my first time around um, in abstinence. And uh, my abstinence now is deeper and richer because it's an abstinence of choice, um, and it's an abstinence of emotional sobriety and um, freedom from the obsession of compulsive overeating, not just the physical consequences. Um, my connection with my higher power is different this time. Um, it's stronger. It's less Santa Claus and more, um, you know, partner in crime or partner, in, you know, ride or die. Um, I have um, more of a colloquial relationship with my higher power now. Um, and one that is much more firmly anchored in surrender and trust and faith um, rather than wishing and hoping, which it was kind of the first time around. Um, And it took relapse for me to get there. So it is part of my story. Um, I will close with that and just say that this is a beautiful program. It really does work. And I hope anybody who's out there just feeling hopeless just keep on working it because we're, we're here for you and don't be afraid to ask for help because that's why we all showed up all right thanks for letting me share